Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. On this episode, it's all John Force Racing with Robert Hyde and Championship Crew Chief David Drubnik. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. The runner-up in Nitro Funny Car, the man that has tuned the fastest top fuel dragster in the history of the sport. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car, going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey everybody, it's Brian Loans back with another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great to have you back this week, and we have two excellent guests. As mentioned, we're going to have Robert Height and David Grubnick, kind of the all-John Force Racing episode this week. Going to talk to both of those guys about their preseason testing, talk about how they're approaching 2023, as Height, of course, will come in as a very tight runner-up in 22. Grubnick, for the first time in his career, comes back as a world champion in the crew chief position. So it's going to be great to uh, understand the motivations and the approach that these teams will have. And they have a little bit of new, uh, some some personnel shuffling at John Force Racing. We'll talk about that with both of these racers as well. It has been a busy week of news in the world of NHRA drag racing. The most the most uh, bombastic, the biggest news we have is the fact that Tony Stewart is going to contest a full season in top alcohol dragster, racing with the McPhillips family, running enough races to run after a championship in the NHRA for the first time in his career. Uh, which has, of course, been very short. He has been flirting with this. He is working his way up to it. Ran with the McPhillips family in Vegas last year. Nearly pulled off a win in his first start. So it's going to be fun to watch Tony chase a championship and really kind of see how far he can take it and watch his evolution. You know, it's it's uh, the old anybody can do it once type thing, watching him commit himself to this and kind of seeing those ebbs and flows over the course of an entire season will be really interesting to watch. And you can, of course, see Tony this weekend on Fox as he'll be part of the broadcast team for the Daytona 500, which will be happening on Sunday. I know we're all drag racers around here, but still, it's the Daytona 500. You have to watch. It's like the Indy 500. You don't have to care about IndyCar at all, but you got to watch the Indy 500. Even if you're not a huge NASCAR fan, I love watching the Daytona 500. It is uh, the great American race, as, as coined by the legendary Ken Squire. Other great news this week in testing coming from the A-Fuel ranks. Jackie Frick ran 5'11 at 280 miles an hour down at Bradenton Motorsports Park during testing earlier this particular week. Uh, that is one of the quickest runs of all time, the quickest of her career, and an indication that Jackie John Fink and the rest of that team will be up to par again to run for a world championship in 2023. Uh, it has been announced that Julie Natas and Hunter Green will be the primary drivers for Randy Meyer Racing in their 2023 campaign. Randy also has an A-Fuel funny car, and many of you may have seen the video already. I believe it was Julie driving it, wheeling that thing down in the low 560s um, in testing. So they're making some full pulls with that car. And if you're starting out in a tiptoe situation running 560s, it is only a matter of time before that thing sees the 50s or better, especially with Randy Meyer turning the screws now that they're able to get it to the finish line. 
It has been a fun uh, news week as well. If you're an NHRA.TV subscriber, there's a new platform that NHRA.TV will be presented on, which will give you a bunch more options as a viewer, a bunch more interactive stuff you can do, and a big, big swath of our NHRA uh, digital archive will begin to be posted to this new Endeavor platform. So if you're an NHRA.TV subscriber, uh, your life just got better. And if you're not one yet, and you love this sport and you want to watch every sportsman round, you want to watch divisionals, you want to watch regionals, you want to watch historic races, uh, it's all going to be housed as part of NHRA.TV, and it's a great value over the course of the season. We have some news regarding uh, new sponsorship stuff going on. Skag Power Equipment has become the official kind of power equipment of the NHRA. We're going to talk to Robert Hyde about some of the new names we'll see appearing on the side of his Chevrolet Camaro over the course of the 2023 Camping World Drag Racing Series Tour. And it is just, uh, you know, hope is beginning to spring eternal for many of these teams. The Coletta team went out and tested. We understand Doug ran 367 or somewhere in the 360s. Doug driving a canopy car in testing. The team hasn't committed to running that canopy car uh, as their primary uh, weapon of choice in the season, but one would suspect if it's already cracking off 360s that it will probably be the ride of choice for Doug. They did say that if they like what they see out of the results of the canopy car, Sean Langdon will be in one. Bit of a different situation for Doug as he's never been in a canopy car. Sean, of course, when he was at DSR years ago, drove canopy dragsters. So, um, not a major adjustment for either of them, uh, maybe less so for Sean because of the fact he's already kind of been there and done that. As we look forward to the NHRA Amley Oil Gator Nationals, I think that's fun to look at the entry list, which continues to grow. It's going to be fun to see this new kind of crew chief tandem that Bob Tasca announced with Aaron Brooks and Todd Okuhara making the tuning calls on his machine over the course of the 2023 season. And, you know, it's, uh, it's basically a... An interesting shift. You know, we saw John Schaefer and, um, of course, we saw John Schaefer and, and Mike Neff leave Bob Tasca's team and go to Tony Schumacher. And now we see Tony Schumacher, at least half of that group, with Todd Okahara heading back now with Aaron Brooks. If there is a hallmark of those two tuners, it is never lacking for aggression or seeking to be aggressive on performance. So uh, that is good news for Bob Tasca, the third. I think when we talk about what Robert's done in testing and what some of the other teams are trying to accomplish in testing, that need to be aggressive to wring out every ounce of performance as situations call for it will be the chance and, and the hallmark of whatever champion raises the trophy at the end of 2023. Um, unless we run into an incredible spate of very, very hot weather where everybody has to be tiptoeing cars down the racetrack, this will be a um, this will be a pretty pretty nasty season in terms of performance and i mean that in the best way we look at the escalation in funny car we look at the escalation in top fuel and there's really no way around the fact that nobody's team has gotten worse <laughs> over this off season and we're going to talk about just how much better uh robert and grubnik feel about their chances in 2023 so that's a quick little snapshot of news around the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. Going to keep you up to date on all the breaking stuff as the weeks roll on, as the Gator Nationals show up. When we come back from this break, we'll have our first guest. His name's Robert Hyde, and he almost won another championship in 2022, and he will certainly come out 2023 with a chip on his shoulder with Jimmy Prock at his side and with a new assistant crew chief working with Jimmy. We're going to talk to Robert about all that more when we come back. Don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back to the NHRA Insider Podcast. Our first guest this week is a guy who is coming out in 2023 swinging. We can say that with authority now because he's actually been down the racetrack. Robert Hyde, how you doing, man? 
Great, Brian. How's it going? Good. So, uh, obviously, I wanted to touch base with you because you've uh, you've been in the news for good reasons for a couple of uh, or a couple of good reasons over the course of the last couple of weeks. The first thing I want to start with is what certainly looks like uh, a very successful test session for your team down in Gainesville. Yeah, we. Uh, it was actually amazing. You know, uh, we we made some shuffle, did some shuffling. You know, uh, with Chris Cunningham going over to run Austin's car and. You know, Chris and Jimmy have been together for a lot of years and <laughs> they have. a lot of success. And so you think, well, you know that that's going to be the best move we could make for that dragster. But is it going to is it going to affect my funny car? Sure. Uh, you know, because Chris was a huge part of uh, us winning and, and the championships and everything else. And I still believe that, you know, it's. It could cripple us a little, uh, but what I am very, very proud of is the guys that we that we have on the team that stepped up to kind of fill in Chris's spot, and uh, you know, yeah, we made six honestly flawless runs down there in Gainesville. We would have made more if if the weather was permitting, but uh, we went down the track every single run. Uh, I was I was blown away that it went that seamless, um, but. You know that was we had good conditions. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's still a long year, and I know uh, you know we we're gonna have some growing pains early in the year, but uh, you know we just got to get it right when it counts. Yeah, and look, I think the interesting thing, as you mentioned, you know, anytime you make a, a personnel change, especially kind of a high level personnel change like that. The, the interesting thing to me, the good thing for you is that, you know, Cunningham's still in the building, right? This is not a situation where Chris has gone to a different team and is doing something different. In the event that, uh, which I don't foresee this happening, but in the event you guys get lost in a wilderness somewhere, you know, Chris is uh, kind of a walk down the hall for Jimmy to consult with. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and that's the way we always operate at John Force Racing. Everybody works together, helps each other. Um, but, um I also think that that dragster is going to make a complete turnaround and it, it, that thing's going to be a contender right from the get go testing showed well for them as well. So, uh, Chris is a very valuable guy and you know, there was a lot of things Chris does for the organization that, uh, wasn't just based around, uh, the auto club Chevy. It was, uh, he, he helps with all the teams. So, uh, he's he's a good guy to have. Yeah, and look, and, I mean, we look at Austin's car, and, and that was one of the points I wanted to get get with with you is that we look at all four of the John Force Racing cars last year, and yes, Austin's car had a had a dry spell in there that was longer than any of us expected. But when the chips were down, that thing was unbelievable. In fact, you know, statistically, he had one of the best countdowns, if not the best countdown of anybody in the class, including the eventual champion, who was also, of course, in part of John Force Racing and Brittany Force. You, of course, were in contention until the final moment of the final race and John uh, what at the top five finish for John as well so it's like the fact that yes there's been personnel changes but the fact that all these really smart people that did all those really good things last year are kind of in the same places or at least in the same building is is a great thing you know Tobler leaving and and Cunningham going over there is a big deal but man I look around the talent pool in your in your operation and it seems very very deep yeah, I would have to say that, you know, going into the 23 season, we're as strong as we've ever been as far as a four-car team, and uh, that's exciting. Uh, and it really is, it's all about the people. That's 
first and foremost, that's what it takes. And I think we really have all the right people in play. So let's talk about uh, some of the new names we're going to see on the side of your car. And, and these names are familiar to fans, but they may not be familiar to fans uh, on the side of a funny car. It's been uh, it's been kind of cool to see these announcements coming out over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's a little different for me. Uh, I've, I've always had the luxury <clears throat> since I started No. 5 driving uh, to have one sponsor all the time. And, uh, you know, that's been a great run with the auto club. Yeah. Uh, but they they haven't gone anywhere. They're still with us for six races. Uh, you know, they're, they're the best company. I mean, we could ever hope for. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, I mean, that type of the longevity of that relationship is just amazing. I mean, it's, it's your identity, you know, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> you know, yeah. your, your identity is, is, um, a sponsor. And, uh, but I've, I've done everything I could do for the auto club yeah. and they've done everything for me. So, um, but we have two great, another, you know, two other great American companies that came on board with, uh, Cornwell tools and, uh, flavor pack, uh, that's on, that's on Brittany's car. So we're, we're very strong and I've just got to start rehearsing my, uh, my <laughs> right. interviews. Well, listen, I, you know, the Cornwall Tool Partnership is great. Uh, they've been kind of your uh, team official tool for a while. They're a great uh, partner with the NHRA as well. So to see them, you know, really step up the program on the side of this race car is cool. And and look, we always talk about the tool wars. I mean, we had them for years, and, and now we get the tool wars coming with, uh, with a, now a, a third man in, like a hockey fight. So this is a good thing. Oh, it's exciting. Um, I love it. And, you know, we, we ran the second day down there testing in Gainesville. We ran the Cornwell body. And the very first run right out of the box, it ran 83. <laughs> and all, all of the, the bigwigs from uh, Cornwell were there photoing and, and part of it. And just to see the excitement, uh, they loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, you would have thought we were, you know, at U.S. Nationals. <laughs> well, the, the crazy thing, in, in a good way, about the tool business, like the loyalty in the tool business that people have to their particular brand of tools is wild. I mean, it goes it goes beyond almost anything else. And it was fun. I, I was able to have some conversations with the Cornwall people over the course of, of last season and, and seasons previous. And it's like... It is. It verges on the religious of what of what people are devoted to as far as tools on a, on a professional level. It, no doubt about it. It's uh, the fans. They are very very loyal. Kind of kind of like kind of like you know the beer yeah. the beer wars we used to have. Yeah. But uh, it's. Uh, I'm excited to uh, learn everything I can about Cornwell Tools. Uh, they've got a great history. They've got great products. Um, I really feel that uh, the best tools we've ever had in the pits at John Force Racing are Cornwell. So uh, I'm, and you know, me being a former crew member, yep. I really can speak the language and talk the talk. Um, I'm excited about that. No, it's cool. And listen, uh, you know, I know how how you will go to great lengths to satisfy your sponsors. But if they say, "Hey, you know what? We'd love to get some footage of you diving and doing the uh, and doing the bottom end between these two runs," I, I, I don't even know if you'd go for that anymore. You've you've done that. You've lived that life. <laughs> I'd still do it. I'd still do it. Uh, you know, uh, I love working on the car. Love working with the team. Um, sometimes that's a little more relaxing than than the other jobs. But uh, I. You know, if we ever get behind, uh, you know, between rounds, you can I'm dive in, getting dirty, and uh, just 
show me where the stuff's at. I'll, I'll get it done. You know, we talked about, or you talked about the, the great conditions that you had down there at Gainesville and, and to hear about an 83, you know, in this testing mode, kind of this early on, kind of out of the gate. Um, when we look over the course of the season in, in Funny Car, and what the performances needed to be when those conditions came up. We look at races specifically like Phoenix. You know, the, the Phoenix race last year kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But when you go back and look at the numbers that you threw up, that Hagen threw up over the course of that particular event, that was kind of the biggest performance race of the year. So it's very interesting for me to be able to understand that you guys can come out and replicate that really right off of the right out of the gate here. Yeah, that. I, I totally agree with you. That Phoenix race was intense. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, Hagen would throw up a big number, and then we'd, we'd come right behind him. And uh, then, you know, the two of us met in the final. Yeah. That was, that was, that was how it's supposed to have been drawn up. Uh, you know, the two best cars and just back and forth all weekend. It was, it was a lot of fun. And that shows you how tough this class is. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to see more of that this year. And, it was it was a blast uh but jimmy you know jimmy didn't get too far off base over the winter he he really tried to figure out you know where where we even though we were very consistent last year oh yeah no there's there's yeah but you can always be better right yeah right and so he picked things apart and you know he he really looked at like clutch wear okay uh one run it'll wear a lot the next run it won't and it kind of tips the runs over. And over there, we, we had a lot of inconsistencies in clutch run in clutch wear, but the car still performed and went down the track quick. So a lot of the stuff that he did over the winter, uh, I really feel that it's going to make a difference and even make us more consistent than we were last year. Yeah, and, and look, when, it, when we talk about, you know, the way things shook out, which was obviously, a, you know, a painful experience for you and this team, but at the same time, it's also an experience that you can, you know, it's tough to leave a season with your head hanging when you accomplish what you guys did. You don't, you don't accomplish the, the, the main goal that you wanted, which is holding the championship trophy. But it's like, it's got to be an interesting thing to look at everything that went right last year and think, my God, this is one of the greatest seasons of my career. And then think, but it left me a little short. I mean, it's a strange thing to think about, right? Oh, it's, it's very tough. You know, it's uh, Jimmy and I talked about it a lot. Like, how how do we be better? Uh, eight wins is is crazy. We were in over half the finals and <laughs> yeah. uh, didn't lose didn't lose first round one time. Yep, that's just un- that's unheard of, and it didn't get the job done. So, what do we have to do to be better? And you you always have to think that way. You always have to look forward, and it's like, okay, well, maybe it's going to take ten wins this year. Well, let's go get them. <laughs> And so to me, it's interesting because people, you know, approach different things different ways. And and I think there are some there are some guys, you know, I'm going to use Torrance as an example. Like when Torrance came up short in 17 against Brittany, like he came into 18 like pissed, you know, and 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 that was what his motivation was. And And he just and they ran everybody over for, you know, a couple seasons in a row everybody's personality type is different. So how do you come into this season? Do you come in like just having a little bit of, the, of a, a, an annoyed feeling in the back of your head about what happened last year? Do you come in clean slate? Do you come in with confidence knowing what the thing did last year? I mean, that's that's my big question is when you come into 23, what is the overriding attitude? I think it's some all of the above. Uh, you know, I definitely have confidence in the team and the car. Um, I do feel that we have a little chip on our shoulder yeah. and uh, – you know, some, uh, 
score to settle. Yeah. And uh, we're going to, we're going to take that approach. Uh, we're going to stay focused, but uh, there's, there's, it's, it, I have a feeling that this, this funny car class in 23 is going to be tougher than it was last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't tell me, you can't, yeah, you can't tell me Dickie's car is going to get slower. You can't tell me Ron's car is going to get slower. You can't tell me Wilkerson's not going to benefit with new help. You can't tell me that, uh, Pedragon, uh, that was an anomaly, you know, so that I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about those names. You get Tasca with new people on that car. So to your point, yeah. I'm looking around going, okay, which car am I picking to fall off the table here? And, and I, logically you cannot choose one you can't say okay this guy's whole team left he's going to have a rebuilding year that doesn't exist right now no no it's going to be tough and uh, right out of the box it's going to be tough so we're, we're going to stay focused uh, but i do believe we have a score to settle so let's talk a little bit about the too fast too tasty challenge that is coming to nhra drag races uh, 12 races during the regular season we're going to take the semi-finalists from the previous race and they're going to run off during qualifying for an additional i think the purse is 15 grand in the the nitro categories uh to me it's a great concept i've not really run into anybody that says they dislike it yet so where are you at on this thing you know i think we're gonna have to just wait and see uh what the fans uh think of it you know um it's saturdays saturdays are big days at the races good attendance so to have a have a little uh you know race and little action where you can uh root for somebody i think that's that's a good thing um just gonna have to see how it all plays out um glad we've got um you know a, a new program and another company involved in nhra drag racing that's that's just makes us stronger yeah and of course the call out races will continue as well this year the top fuel race will be in gainesville and we'll do the funny car race down through the season chicago is a place we're going back to this year which is massive for john force racing it's obviously a home race if you will for old world industries uh they are the they are peak i believe is going to be the title sponsor on the event so i can imagine that your chicago week will probably be like a chicago two weeks i think you guys will basically be stationed there doing all kinds of media and crazy stuff Oh, definitely, and that's uh, that's actually when we're going to debut the uh, Cornwell cars. Oh, so killer! Okay, that is gonna that's gonna definitely be a busy, busy week, and uh, looking forward to it. That's a, that's a great racetrack, great facility, and uh, I think you know the fans have missed NHRA, so it ought to be a, a great turnout. Yeah, I'm really excited for that too. Any any time we've you know we've left the place for a little while to come back, I think there's a lot of uh, let's call it pent up demand, and in that time of the year, we're going. You know, we talked about the performance that you've had so far in in testing early on, but when we go to Chicago in May, uh, that's the type of a weekend that you you may get some of these conditions like you had in Gainesville. You know, it's not like we're going there midsummer. Exactly. That's that's going to be a good thing because we used to go there, you know, later and it was hot. And um, no, it's in May. You could have great great conditions. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's early May, so it is. yeah, no, it's it's going to be exciting. You know, it's kind of, you know, kind of be a bummer that this is the last year that we go to Phoenix. I, I love that market, love love that city. Um, and, you know, the racing is going to be a little different there this year, too, because normally we're there in February. Now we're going to be yeah. there in, you know, mid to late March. So it's going to be hotter. It's going to be a it's going to be a different ball game. So, um, but that's what makes this exciting is all the different uh, conditions that you face and you know trying to master them and and be better than everybody else in in those given conditions 
And listen, as far as we know, definitely we're going into this this Phoenix race with that idea, uh, that feeling that it's the last time we're showing up there. But listen, let's never say never because you know who knows. There's some whispers going on over there, but I think we got to we got to treat it like the last visit. But I know for you personally, uh, you love that place for the simple reason of how well the car uh, performs there year after year. So keep our fingers crossed that something uh, in the eleventh hour comes up to save us in Phoenix. But I mean, you know how well that race is attended, and this year is going to be absolutely kind of insane over the top what have you been doing to occupy yourself before you went testing other than the normal working on the phones working with your partners working with the team what has been the recreational activities for robert Hyde in this off season uh we went you know family vacation nice. um to hawaii you know over over christmas and uh tried to do a little trap shooting whenever you get a chance nice um, not a lot of time for that but uh no, it's, uh, you'd think that you'd have more time, you know, now we're starting in, in March, but it seems like with everything that's been going on, it's, uh, kind of been a, a really busy, long off season. Yeah. I think we all find ways to fill it. That's the problem. You think, oh man, it's going to be great. I got to have nothing to do. You look around and go, oh man, I'm running out, I'm running out of time here, but Gainesville is going to be, exactly. a great, yeah, Gainesville will be a great start to the season. Um, and final question before I let you go, will the car test again before the pre Gainesville test, or is that the next time the car will be on the racetrack? No, uh, we'll, we'll be testing uh, early in the week, um, of Gainesville. Okay. Uh, we, we really had planned on not doing that, but with, you know, we got two days rain short and rain delay, you know, it just were rained out two yeah. days at testing. So, uh, we still have a few things we want to work out and we're kind of hoping for, you know, more, a little, probably a little warmer conditions because that's probably what we'll be faced with at the race. And, you know, what we, what we were just in were, was mine shaft conditions. So it's, uh, uh, it's, it's good, but, uh, we need some, little temperature in the track and a little humidity and uh you know then we'll be set well look at least uh you know jimmy if we if we have the same conditions as last year at sunday we, we were doing some compiling some data for our uh, nhra broadcast this year and we went back and looked and it was like it was like uh over a thousand feet below sea level during uh session during elimination round one on sunday that was one of the weirdest races I've ever been to, I'm sure for you as well, at the uh, 22 Gator Nationals. So, yeah, a little more consistency and temperature would be nice for 23. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I think I think moving Pomona, you know, back, you know, a month and a half is, is going to be a good thing. Uh, yeah. Um, I Hats off to NHRA for trying some things. And I hope when we get back out to California, we've got a, a packed house out there. Amen to that, Robert. Thanks for taking some time today. Uh, great to see the car testing so well. Interesting to hear about those personnel changes and the fact that it all seems to be coming together at John Force Racing. I will see you at the Gator Nationals in uh, what is coming up in a couple of weeks. Look forward to seeing you, Brian. He's Robert Hyde. I'll be right back here with more from the NHRA Insider Podcast. Our second guest is on deck. Don't go anywhere. All right, we are back here on the NHRA Insider Podcast. My second guest in the show is we keep it in-house in John Forrest Racing. We talked to Robert, and now I get to introduce, for the first time as a world championship winning crew chief, Mr. David Grubnick. How you doing, man? Uh, very good, Brian. Very good. Thank you. So, you know, we got a bunch of stuff to kind of talk about here, but the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that uh, the car was on the racetrack. Uh, Robert was testing. You were testing down there in Gainesville. I know Mother Nature showed up, but how did it go before the rain came? Well, it was um, it was going on track. We, you know, obviously the the competition is 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 strong, yeah. and we don't we don't expect that trend to change at all. So, <laughs> you 
you know, we we believe it's going to be pretty strong going forward this year as well. And so, you know, we want to sort of develop our program and try and try to get ourselves up to another level. So, you know, that means we have to go out, explore new areas and avenues, um, see which one gives us some promise and so forth. Um, we did get that in the two days that we were there, and, and basically we've got ourselves a direction. Now we have to take it. So we fell short on doing that. The original plan was that, you know, discussing it with a group that, you know, our car really did need four days. So, yeah. um, so with that being said, now we're going to go back. Now that we have a direction, we're going to go explore that direction, go down that road, and and see if it uh, gets us the results that we're hoping for. You know, one of the things that I don't know, and I'm guessing a lot of other people don't know, is when you approach uh, a testing session like the one you were at, and you, you mentioned, you know, talking to the group and needing, you know, really wanting or needing the four days. Is there a defined list of a is going to be led, and A will lead into B, and B will lead into C in terms of what you're doing, or is it a situation where, okay, we're going to try Avenue A, and if that shows us promise, we'll continue down that road. Is there a defined list of things that you will do no matter what type of result you get from the previous test? Well, there always is. We have an agenda. Testing isn't a matter of just going there and making runs. So we plan the test session out. Each year we do this. So we come up with an agenda. Uh, first off, we have to have objectives and goals. Yep. So we set those first, then we come up with an agenda to suit. And and that was our plan. It, admittedly, that we accelerated or I changed the plan on the fly down there because we saw the weather coming in yeah. and we really needed to accelerate the program, um, shuffle some shuffle some runs around so that we could get the data that we needed so going back you know we had a better direction but absolutely we, we don't go there just to to run the car per se it's we always have an agenda and objectives is there any chance that a 13 year old kid in brisbane australia ever thought that this would be his life right the, the, the fact you just laid that out for me is, is a really cool systematic thing but as you as a kid you're 13 years old and you get hooked on this stuff and now you're having this conversation Right? It's crazy. Yeah, that's actually, that's the only way to describe it. Um, as a 13-year-old kid, you go watch, you know, you watch a pair of nitro cars, and I remember it. It was at Surface Paradise International Raceway, and, and believe it or not, I was 13. I don't know how you came up with that number, but, you know, in, in you, you watch these cars, and, the, and they give you goosebumps, and then straight away, well, that's what I want to do. And then here we are having this conversation, so... Um, yeah, crazy. It is. It is, and it's fantastic. And and you know, I don't know if a lot of people know. And you know, you're a teenage kid. You, you're at Surface Paradise to see that stuff. And you know, before you came here, you know, I know you had some time working at Ford. Uh, you know, working kind of on, I believe, in the service end of that business. And I think, in, in my estimation, that has to have been where you got some of this structure in your life, some of this idea of planning and moving forward. You work for a company like Ford, and in a respect of overseeing people and operations, you got to have a clue, right? I mean, is that where some of this comes from in terms of a systematic approach of course it does yes and you know and working for ford it was for the motor company so you know i was responsible for you know 13 dealerships and so i would go out visit the dealerships it was on a technical level and a business level as well so but that's where a lot of the structure comes from and you know that corporate mythology and, and and how you approach things and really these race teams are a business and you have to approach them 
you know, as a business. So, you know, we just don't have the responsibility of, of running the car and the performance, but you have the day-to-day operation. So, you know, we have X amount of revenue comes in from sponsorship and, and you can't exceed that. Right? So you can't go out there, you know, and, and have this performance and, and have it cost you an engine every run. It, it just sooner or later, you know, your Belinda's going to come down on me. I'm sorry, this isn't working out. You know, you'll have to go somewhere else. So, you know, it, it, we have to. And yeah. it's not just our team. I believe, you know, all the top sure. tier teams all do this. No, absolutely. And that, that makes it, it makes all the sense in the world. And of course, just logic dictates that, yeah, you can, you can, you can only run so far on uh, on destroying stuff every run, which is not what you guys do. I mean, I remember specifically, you know, at that race in Reading, um, you know, the, the, there was a mechanical problem, which you diagnosed as a failure, you know, pretty early in that run. The car went out and all of a sudden we saw some vapor and then flame out of the back of the engine. And you were as shocked as anybody because that's typically not your M.O. No, exactly. And, you know, um, looking back, we have uh, it's it's hard it's difficult to have a, a, a concrete, you know, it, to get concrete evidence that this is exactly what happened. But you have to, you know, you have to extrapolate all the evidence that you've yeah. got, come up with some sort of reasonable, you know, conclusion for it, and then, you know, adapt the solution and move forward. So, and that's what we did. Um, but yes, that was tipped way out of it, possibly at the end of the run, depending on how hard I'm pushing the engine. Yes, but that early, you know, at 1.8 seconds into the run, there's no way we're that far off. Yeah, and and obviously uh, through the countdown, you know, things worked out and and to your favor and the team's favor as, as becoming world champions. And, you know, when you approach this season, it's it, it, nothing really changes in the physical sense. You're, you're going to try to make the car faster, more consistent like everybody is. But as good as this car has been over the last several years, this is the first time you're walking in with the number one on the side of the wing. And, you know, as much as anybody wants to steal themselves off from the idea that that doesn't mean anything, in my mind, it means something, right? It does mean something. And people call it a target, call it what you will. But, you know, that is a you're in a position to defend now instead of going offense for that number one spot. No, exactly. And um, it, it is. And that's the goal. Every every team out there has, you know, it starts with your short term objectives, which is, you know, to, to qualify well, qualify number one or qualify in the top five. Then from there, you move on. Well, we want to win. Every team wants to go there and, and win that event. And then, you know, if and I've always said this, if you hit your short term objectives, goals and objectives, the long-term ones will take care of themselves. So, um, and, and you take that philosophy all the way through till the end to the championship. And so, you know, yes, you know, that's our ultimate goal. That's what we want. We want to win the championship. But, you know, it, it was tough this year. We, we actually had, last year, we had a better countdown than what we had this year. And, you know, the way it went down at Pomona to where we, we were planning to, to fight for our lives for the whole day. <laughs> right. And, and the way it went down with, with everybody sort of going out first round was, was somewhat of a, you know, because we were all still full of adrenaline. And, you know, to sit at the trailer at your desk and then all of a sudden I hear the crew, you know, cheering and yelling and, and to win a championship, that way wasn't the way I was geared up for. You know no, what I mean? You were, you were anybody else. I mean, you were honestly, you weren't the only one because we were all waiting to see you guys go hammer and tongue the whole day for sure. 
Yes, exactly, and that's what we were geared up for. So, um, it, you know, it, it's it's something that you know you, you envision championships winning them on the start line. Um, yeah. You know, being there, having that adrenaline released, and and that celebration and so forth. But you know, it was it was. Um, but in defence of the of my crew and everybody that's worked very hard, it was tough. It was tough going, and admittedly, that you know we made the least amount of mistakes. Right? It wasn't exactly you know, the performance that I envisioned us going into the countdown with. So, you know, with that being said, I personally would like to see us improve on that. And I think the other teams that are out there would also probably want to, we're going to assume that they'll rectify the mistakes that were made during their countdown as well. So I, I can see it being an even tougher year this year. And, you know, hopefully if we can repeat, it could potentially be even more gratifying. You know, with, with the satisfaction that you have to take in this championship and, and what it does for you on a level that, um, you know, both personally and professionally is amazing. But I, I have to imagine from your position looking at the crew and what this means to them and their lives, it has to take it even to a different extreme because, as you well know, you know, many of the, the crew members, every single one of those guys has a unique story in the pits, right? We always say everybody's got a story. Well, some of these guys have lived almost the lives of 10 men to kind of get where they are in their in their life. And I have to imagine the validation of a decision to, to do this for a living, the validation of a decision to, to commit yourself to doing this for a living, and then having a championship means to them, I'm not going to say it means more than them that it means to you, but it has to mean an immense amount. Indeed, it does, Brian. You're absolutely right, and we couldn't. This we, we we wouldn't achieve any any part of the success that we've had without them. This is this is a collective effort, right? And we have these you know we have these discussions frequently, and the car's performance isn't just a matter of the the tuner or and the decisions that are made there. That car won't go out and do what it does unless the clutch is put in perfectly every time, yeah. unless the engine's put together perfectly every time. And if we go out and we want to try and hit performance targets on, on 60 foot times and 330 times, you know, just as an example, you know, the, the, the guy that, that services our clutch discs and makes sure that they're ground flat and all that, if that's not done correctly, it won't achieve those targets. Yeah. And so there's a lot of moving pieces you know, under the surface that all have to fit in perfectly for this for this all to sort of work. And it's a testament to the crew, and I'm thrilled for them. Um, you know, they, they 100% deserve it. And in your position, knowing that you're going to have that group of people showed up with their head screwed on straight on Sunday is, is something that not – Every team out there can say, I mean, you know, to me, one of the great separations that is invisible in drag racing is the human element of it. You know, we can't we can't see a guy that shows up and, and maybe has his head in a slightly different place. And you ask for a couple of grams on the clutch and he puts a couple of grams too much. And oh, that's just how the weekend ends. But, you know, as a leader and as the guy who is effectively the head coach of this team, knowing that your crew is going to show up and they're going to be locked into what they have to do is is got to be a I mean, if not the most if not the best feeling you could have one of close to one of them. Oh, it is. And, the, and actually, the crew, and I've always said that the crew and our people are the most important asset of the, or the piece of this puzzle than anything. More important than the engines and, and all, all the, the infrastructure that we have. It's sort of like without, that, without the right people, the right mindset, 
Um, you know, I've said this yeah. before. You yeah. could you could line up a bunch of orangutans, right? <laughs> Teach them how to do it, but you know, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna yeah. achieve anything with that. With all due respect yeah. to orangutans, no. <laughs> we're taking nothing away from them. our orangutan no. demographic is very low in the show. So you've not offended you've not offended a single one of them. Um, yeah, you okay, mentioned good. you mentioned the people, the working environment, the team. Obviously, there's been some changes, some shifting within John Force Racing. Uh, Max Savage is moving over to a different car. You got a new you know, right-hand man, so to speak. Um, how, if at all, does that change anything? Is it a, the, the human learning process of just integrating yourselves together? Talk a little bit about that. Well, it, the whole process there was obviously we want to we want to uh, promote from within yeah. and or, or shuffle from internally, and we've made some changes throughout JFR, and and we believe it'll all be. Um, It'll all be for the good for everybody. Um, Mac has been fabulous with me for over the years. Mac has personal commitments with his family and, and other interests that he has. So it's difficult for him to get down to the shop and, and be at the race shop on a timely level. So what we've done is is moved him over to JF or to John's car, mm-hmm. excuse me, and, and where he's sort of like where his time structure can be more valuable. I've gotten Brandon Hazelton, who now is like full-time on my car, which helps me out immensely. So what it's done, it's getting the efficiencies out of everybody and utilizing them uh, to the best of our ability. Yeah, it makes the most sense. And again, it goes back to that, you know, putting the right pieces in the or the right the right kind of fitment in the right places to get everybody uh, get everybody working and going down the road. Um, I, I kind of had this conversation with Robert, but I'd like to have it with you as well in that I look at the funny car field and I could do the same thing as the top fuel field. And there's not a single car I look at that was in contention this year that I feel as though is going to fall backward in that we don't have any, you know, full team abandonment. We don't have any full team shuffles. Um, if anything, they've had a couple of guys, you know, added into, into the crew chief or upper, you know, performance roles. You look at Mike Neff coming over with John Schaefer on Schumacher's car. Um, it is a weird thing to look at and think, well, not every one of these cars can be in first place, but I feel like almost all of them can be if the pieces work right. Right. Yes. And and looking at that, it's sort of like you go back, you go back over the years and the funny car class has been very, you know, over the last five years, I would say the funny car class has been more competitive or, or yep. tied, tied in the group. Yep. Than, than what Top Fuel has. But what I'm seeing now is, and it's hard to quantify this, So, but you you have a gut feel. It's like even going into this year, it, towards in the countdown, it's sort of like, hang on, there's some cars that are, you know, there's a lot of people that believe and not just believe, but probably have a good shot at this title. Yeah. And it was very tough, which might explain why more mistakes were made where, you know, it, it's sort of like everyone was pushing harder to trying to get to that level. So, um, and, and as I said at the start of this, you know, I believe that that trend will continue and you'll see it bunch up and there will be exactly what you said, Brian, there will be more cars in contention for this. Yeah, I mean, the late the late runs made by, you know, specifically Antron and Austin Proc were like, whoa. And, you know, it's funny when you, you think about the doldrums that those two cars were in, uh, you know, even up to Topeka, really, up before the U.S. Nationals. Then you look at where they ended up. It speaks to the point that uh, that you made earlier in that um, if you can turn your if you can turn the ship around at the right amount of time and not make those mistakes, you, you have a fighting chance, even if you're coming into the countdown, maybe in a in a less ideal position. Uh, from a crew chief's perspective, 
and I asked Robert about this as a driver, but the, the, the new Too Fast, Too Tasty program that you've likely heard about that's going to be implemented this year at 12 regular season races, um, as a car that consistently qualifies very, very well and has gone to the late rounds in many races, this seems like a good opportunity for you and the boys to uh, earn some bonus money this year as far as these semifinal and final round rematches during qualifying sessions. Yeah, I think that's an interesting program um, for sure. It, um, it'll definitely spice up Saturdays for us. It'll give us, obviously, incentive to go um, to the semis. Um, it, uh, again, like I said, it will spice up Saturdays for us. And then there's the, the, the added purse and and the added points. Well, points, exactly. So, so the points, the points are very, when you get into the countdown, those points are very, very valuable considering, you know, we only have six, six events yeah. to earn them. So, you know, and I've always preached this as well, when once we're in the countdown, you know, that one point has the same value as a thousand Yeah. when it all comes down to the end of it. So we last year in the count, last year, not the, not this 2022 season, but the 21 season, we actually did very well um, harvesting a lot of bonus points. Yes, and this, yeah, and this this past year we didn't. And you know, when you go back and you review your performance, you know, you can find certain things where you sort of you were deficient in. So, um, so those bonus points that will be our attitude. We're starting at Gainesville, we will we will start harvesting as many points as we can get. And, you know, I, in conversation I've had with, with fans and kind of other people, you know, to, to me, the, the, the extra purse, the bonus purse is great. Um, you know, it's out there. It certainly entices fans to be interested in it when you're talking about extra money. But the points to your level, to your, to your kind of point that you just made, is where the real value is as far as the race teams go. And is there ever, ever going to be a balance of one of these situations where the cars qualified well, you know, you make you make the quote unquote final of the of the, the too fast, too tasty deal on Saturday. And would you ever make a tuning decision based on anything other than what's in front of you? Or would you make a tuning decision based on, hey, listen, we could really use these three points if I can eke another hundredth or two out of this thing? Well, it's the it's the the same result for both. Right. So if you go out and succeed in that short term, that round Right. If you win that round, you you will gain those bonus points. So, with with myself, I, I just look at that immediate round. Yeah. I don't look ever look beyond that. Um, I look at what the conditions are. I look at the racetrack. Um, you know, and sometimes you know you'll factor in who you're running and how much risk you want to absorb, and uh, and and strictly the decision is based on that immediate moment yeah. only we never i never really you can't if you start looking beyond that you 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 run the risk of putting the cart in front of the horse sure no it makes great sense and it's going to be just another level and another fun thing for us to watch and talk about and last question for you david i, I asked uh, i asked robert the same thing what if any leisure activities do you have i, I know that the, the work of the off season is data analysis and getting your your testing program put together and getting all the logistics of the team put together robert said he snuck off to an island did some trap shooting what does david grubnick do in the few moments of free time he has in the off season i get on my bikes <laughs> nice no I, I i shouldn't we shouldn't really talk about this Brian, but but i i get on my bikes you know there's a couple of us back in indy um we, we look at the weather very carefully and closely and we make sure we hope 
we hope that the local track will open up and groom it and then we all load up our bikes and we go and hit the track. But I got to tell you, it's it's getting harder and harder each year. It's it's <laughs> what we got for free as kids. We got to earn the older we get. So take my word for it. I, I'm sort of working out as much as I can. But no, I love getting on my bike. It's the it's the freedom I just thoroughly enjoy. And in, in the summer times up, you know, back in Montana, once you get up in the mountains, it, it you can't beat it. Nah, sounds great, man. Well, congratulations on the championship. It is uh, it is certainly a well-earned and uh, just a fantastic accolade to have to an already very decorated career that shows no signs of slowing down. So, as always, David, thanks for taking the time to chat today. I look forward to seeing you in Gainesville, and good luck with the second half of your uh, part two of testing so far in this offseason. Brian, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, and uh, all the best. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the closing thoughts and a little piece of NHRA history to end this episode of The Insider. I'll be right back. And so we are back with this final segment of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Really great to catch up with both Robert and David Grubnick this week. Uh, Obviously, two teams that are uh, in the hunt and will come out of the gate in the hunt. Robert came just that close last year to locking up another championship. And, of course, it was great to hear David discuss what it was like for he and his team to slog their way through it during the countdown and get the job done. We'll be back next week with another show, new guests, and certainly new topics to discuss as the news continues to come out over the course of this offseason. We get ever closer to the Gator Nationals. The NHRA season has officially started with the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series getting things kicked off in Orlando, Florida, and regional divisional races are getting going all over the country as well. I mentioned a little piece of NHRA history for you in this final segment of the show, and it is this. It is this book. It's called Drag Racing Yesterday and Today, and as you can see, it's written by none other than Wally Parks. This book was published in the 1960s and is a really tough one to find, and when you do find them, They don't come cheap, but if you're a real diehard, dedicated drag racing historian type, I recommend finding one of these and buying it and reading it. It has incredibly detailed stories of the origins of the NHRA, the early days of the safety safari that was then called the drag safari, and the early days of national events. I'm actually using this book as a reference for a piece I'm writing for NHRA.com and Phil Burgess right now, and it is full of just great insights and certainly the, the... very personal history of the NHRA and Wally Parks. So thank you so much for watching this episode of the NHRA Insider or listening to it as the case may be. Again, we're on video now. You can catch us on YouTube and across the NHRA social media platforms, but you'll always be able to get us downloaded on your normal podcast platforms as well. I'm Brian Loans. I'll be back next week. More stories, more fun, and more days closer to the NHRA Amelie Oil Gator Nationals. Thanks for watching or listening.